Chronicles of the Awakened Chapter 10 The Energy Within I could see Clara's face in my mind, the expression on it, the fear. She was trying to tell me something before Richter took her from me. I wanted my death to come quickly, if death was even possible. Trapped in a black void with no physical feeling, all I had were my thoughts, my memories, and they all haunted me. My thoughts turned to my childhood, more specifically, my time at Alpha Medical. The darkness, the lack of all feeling, the wanting to die, I had felt that way before. I was raised in the facility known as the campus. The Alliance government felt it was in their best interest to raise all of their orphans to become soldiers or other productive members of the Alliance. At the time, all I thought about were my parents and how they would soon come to take me away. But also in time, I realized that that day would never come. The other children there came from many different situations, though most were children of soldiers who were killed. There were many gifted children who would grow up to become important players in the global government. We were all tested, mentally and physically. When we arrived, we were placed in groups of ten, which they called quads, for some reason I never figured out. Because of my high test scores, I was placed in quad seven. I wanted nothing to do with their system, and I chose to keep a low profile. But even at age nine, the other children were masters of hacking into the computer system at the campus. They accessed each other's files to compare and brag on what was written there. When they discovered my parents' so-called defection, I was ostracized and considered a traitor by other members of my quad. I did not care. To me, the thought of being an outcast allowed me to keep my distance from the others. I did not want to accept my place as one of them. I was beyond them because I did not feel I belonged there. When one of them would get too close, I would show them what else I was good at, fighting. With a few bloody noses, the others stayed away, and that was the extent of the peace that I would have. The staff at the campus taught us their version of our history, revisionist at best. They blamed the Federation for the start of the war and the constant escalations. It was clearly propaganda, but with many of the children there having parents that were killed by the Federation troops, it was easy to convince them. They would organize activities to teach team skills and how to follow orders. The campus was not just a clear path to the military, but it was about as close as you would get without joining the core school. I would perform any task given to me, even the ones where I would have to work with others. I was not the best, but I never caused the team to lose, which in the end would infuriate them even more. We would win a competition, and I would simply walk away, unwilling to celebrate with the team, even if I was instrumental in the victory. Many fights would result from this, and I was more than willing to engage them. It brought me pleasure. My fights were not confined to only those in my age group. I would fight people five years my senior, and even though I would sometimes come out of it bloodied and beaten, I would always be victorious. In time, it became who I was, 
a nine-year-old kid taking on all challengers in the field behind the gymnasium. All of that changed not long after my 10th birthday. The campus held their annual games where the quads would come and compete against each other in a series of events. Our quad was heavily favored in the testing portions of the competition, and I was heavily favored in the martial arts and boxing competitions. The morning began normal enough, but a few hours before the boxing match, I felt lethargic. Sean, my coach, believed it was mental, but gave me a vitamin boost just to be safe. It helped for an hour or so, but, but by the time the match came around, the feeling had returned. Normally, I would have quit. I did not really care if I won a medal or not, and surely did not care about the quad. But my first opponent from the quad was from Quad 6, a kid named Xavier. Xavier was 13 and originally part of Quad 7. That was until I discovered he cheated on his entrance exam. He would have been removed from the campus entirely, but his father was Dante Reese, a hero to the Alliance. He was moved to Quad 6, which was nicknamed the Detention Quad, because most of its members, at one time or another, had been on corrective action. It infuriated Xavier that I, a so-called traitor, was the one who exposed him, and he hated me ever since. Any thoughts of throwing in the towel were destroyed as soon as I saw his name. We had fought a number of times, but like me, Xavier would never give up. There had never been a fight that came to a completion between us. It was always broken up by a teacher or security. Perhaps a 10 and a 13 year old in a boxing match was nothing to the upperclassmen, but to those in the 12 preteen quads, it was a major event. The adrenaline rush that I had approaching the ring masked any weakness I had felt before. The gym was packed full of children from all the quads. Even some of the upperclassmen attended to see what all the fuss was about. As I stepped into the ring, Sean asked me to look at him. I guess he wanted to look into my eyes and make sure I was really ready. All I wanted to do was put Xavier on his back and end our rivalry once and for all. Whatever look I gave my coach was more than enough for him to allow me to proceed. Xavier approached me looking just as determined as I did. It was not to be a fight about two competing quads. This was about him and me. As the referee read off the rules, I blocked out the sound of the crowd. I could only hear my own heartbeat. The bell rang and I stepped forward, thrusting my arm towards him with all my might. Xavier did not expect me to come out swinging. It was never my style. Xavier attempted to sidestep to avoid the contact, but I was way too quick. My fist connected squarely in the center of his chest. Time slowed to a crawl. Something was wrong. My arm went numb. I felt my fist make contact, and then nothing. I looked up into Xavier's eyes. He was in shock, but unhurt. My punch had no effect on him. I did not understand why until my vision blurred. Every ounce of energy drained out of my body. My knees buckled and my eyes darted around like a fly trapped in a bottle. I was wide open and no one besides Xavier knew something was seriously wrong with me. My mind screamed at my body to move, but I was frozen. 
A sadistic smile formed on Xavier's face as he reared back his left arm to hit me. There was nothing I could do but to watch as Xavier's fist barreled towards me. He put everything into that punch. It did not matter to him that I was defenseless. His eyes told me that and much more. His fist struck me in the center of my face, but I did not feel the impact. My blurred vision flashed into darkness. The sound of the crowd, of everything, faded into nothingness. The darkness seemed to last forever. I had no dreams or visions, a pure void, no sound. Slowly, over time, I could hear a beeping. It came every six seconds. After a while, it was driving me mad. I wanted to scream, to do anything to wake up, but it was useless. In time, the darkness began to lessen. It was as if a light was turned on slowly, and its brightness was increased over time. Eventually, I could see a blurred outline, and the sounds that I heard made sense. I was in a hospital. The first face I saw was Sean's. He told me I was in Alpha Medical, the Alliance Research and Scientific Hospital. His tone was somber. Even as a child, it sounded as if he was explaining to me that someone close to me was dying. I could barely speak, but Sean could tell I just wanted to know what happened. When he told me I had been in a coma for six weeks, I began crying uncontrollably. Information was always given to us straight, with no sugarcoating, regardless of our age. In the past, I liked it that way, but hearing Sean's words made me wish there was someone there to sweeten them, to comfort me. I was in a private room surrounded by equipment I have never seen before. Tubes and wires were connected to every part of my body. It was so cold and a dull pain radiated throughout my body. I was always thirsty and the small amount of water that the nurse placed on my lips did little to quench it. Sean sat with me until my quad leader and a doctor who I did not know entered the room. I knew long before they opened their mouths that whatever had happened to me was critical. They both stood by my bedside. Jonas, my quad leader, just looked at me as if I were a leper. I wish I could have screamed at him to leave. The doctor introduced himself as Henry Flagg, an older man with gray and white hair who kind of leaned over as if he was hunched and slightly portly. He was the lead doctor and researcher for cellular disorders. The title alone nearly frightened me to death. I was told I had a disease that affected my mitochondria. They told me the name, but it was much too hard to pronounce much less remember. They explained to me that my mitochondria are the cellular power plants for the human body because they generate most of the cell supply of adenosine triphosphate, which is used as a source of chemical energy. In addition, Dr. Flagg stated that recently it was discovered that a secondary form of energy was found to be created from mitochondria. He did not elaborate but stated that in some human beings, the secondary energy would interact with every cell in the human body. Most of the time, nothing would result from this, but in very rare cases, 
a human could develop additional cellular energy and the ability to push themselves to a higher limit than normal human beings. In my case, something within my cells were draining me of energy, causing my weakness and other effects to my body. They told me they believed it was hereditary and likely passed on to me by my mother. I was brought to Alpha Medical because the local doctors had limited information on the disease. Dr. Flagg had studied the disease and the primary and secondary energy produced within the microchondria. The treatment was experimental and dangerous. This was made extremely clear by Jonas, Sean, and Dr. Flagg. But it was the only chance I had to be normal. Otherwise, I would be bedridden for the rest of my life. It was a choice that had no choice. I was not willing to have my story end in a hospital bed. There was no one else to make the final decision for me. The decision was mine, and I chose to proceed. Over the next six months, I was subjected to countless tests. At first, I would ask whenever they were injecting something new into my IV or scanning me with a device for the umpteenth time. I did not care anymore and frankly did not want to know. It was during that time the physical and mental pain I had, had endured throughout my life proved useful as the pain of the tests and treatments were nearly unbearable. One night, Dr. Flagg entered my room alone. By then, most of the equipment was removed from my room as the treatment was going well. I was able to move with 70% of my normal energy and after months of painful treatments and setbacks, I was more than grateful just for that. Flag sat on the edge of my bed, looking out the window into the night sky. He was quiet and deep in thought. I believe that first he had bad news to tell me, until he turned to me and smiled. We have reached an impasse, David. From here, you can go back to the campus and live a relatively normal life. Or, we can go beyond that. I don't, I don't understand, Doctor. What do you mean by beyond that? Dr. Flagg stood and walked over to the foot of my bed and pulled a large folder from the compartment on its edge. He walked closer to the window, allowing the moonlight to shine down upon the folder. He began pacing back and forth, and I could see he was reading over whatever was in the file, but I did not know why. I was just about to ask him a second question when he turned back towards me. I've learned much about you during our time together. David Vincent Xavier, born January 27th, 3129. Your parents, Martha and Alexander, fled from the Alliance territory, leaving you all alone. What are you getting at? The doctor closed the folder. You're special, David. Your genetic condition allows you to go beyond what normal humans can do. But that power lies dormant within you and needs to be awakened. It was slowly draining you of your energy because it wanted to awaken. And all we had done was cut off its access. It still hungers, David. And if we feed it, then you will become more powerful than any human on the planet. I, I, I don't understand. 
His demeanor had shifted so radically. In front of the others, he was just like any other doctor I had interacted with. But when he stood before me, it was as if he was an obsessed mad scientist. But to a ten-year-old that wanted nothing more than a means to differentiate himself, the prospect of gaining power to be better than everyone else was too much to pass up, and Flag was counting on that. I have been working on a procedure for the Alliance military, Flag began. What you need to know is that it can be applied to your condition. My device will feed bioenergy into your body. It will feed your cells to the point where your secondary or life energy your mitochondria will produce will allow you to become stronger, faster, smarter than not only your fellow classmates, but in time your fellow human beings. However, this process is untested, and someone with your genetic makeup, it has risks. It is possible that energy could overload your body and it could kill you. But because of your age and physical condition, coupled with your DNA structure, I believe it will succeed. If you agree to let me proceed, you must understand that no one else can know of this. I will take you now and have it done by the morning, and by then, you will become a new man. Under any other condition, someone would have stepped in and stopped me. Flag knew I would accept any risk for the slim chance of success. I did not spend much time thinking about it. I told him to do it and promised to never tell anyone of it. With a wide smile, he took me from my room to his lab. I had been in Flag's lab numerous times during my treatment and there was one machine that was never used. It looked like a coffin made of glass with six arms that wrapped around over the top of the capsule like spider legs. On each end of each arm was a diamond-shaped crystal. A large control panel sat behind the rear of the capsule. After placing me inside, Flag stepped around to it and I could hear him typing furiously on the board. I could hear a low hum coming from beneath me. Flag spoke through a speaker within the capsule, ensuring me that everything would be alright and that soon I would awaken to a completely new reality. I watched as each clear crystal lit up in a different color. Red, blue, yellow, green, white, and black. I found myself staring at the colors, and strangely, they calmed me. David, the energy will now be fed slowly into your body. You may feel some discomfort at first, but as your body adjusts, you won't feel anything. It is possible you may lose consciousness, but I assure you, no permanent damage will come from this. The more he explained the process, the less I wanted to proceed, but it was too late. As the light from the crystal brightened, I could feel my body growing warm. My strength was increasing, but it was more than that. My mind cleared and I could better understand what Flag was doing to me. The words and explanations given to me during my treatment made sense. It was working. I could feel it. Then the pain came. Slowly at first, I tried to take it, but steadily 
and increased until I felt as if every cell in my body was on fire. I screamed out in pain, but Flagged ignored my cries and continued on. It felt as if my body was melting from the inside out. I wanted to die just to end the pain. I opened my eyes to sunlight shining down upon me. I quickly sat up in my bed realizing I was back in my old room. I looked down at myself, but I could see no difference in my appearance. But I felt different. The world looked different to me, sharper, clearer. I hopped out of bed, and for the first time in a long time, I felt renewed. I wanted to see what was truly different about me. I had so many questions for Dr. Flagg. When the door to my room opened, my heart skipped a beat. I turned excited to begin questioning Flagg, but it was Jonas standing in the doorway. He sat me down and said to me that he had something to tell me. I was not prepared to learn that Dr. Flagg was murdered in his home. Jonas told me it had occurred earlier that morning and looked to be an assassination carried out by the Federation. I did not know what to do. Flagg had made me promise not to reveal to anyone what was done to me but I wanted answers. Later, I made my way down to Flagg's lab, but it was guarded by Alliance troops. I could see inside much of his equipment, including the one used on me, was gone. With Flagg dead and his equipment confiscated, there was no way I would have any of my questions answered. I could have told someone about what was done to me, but the power that I felt inside was too strong, and I was afraid they would try and take it from me. Over the next few weeks, a new team of doctors and scientists completed my care. They were astonished at how well my body had taken to the treatment. I was told I was completely healed. What they did not mention was any strange readings or differences within my body. I had to learn to hold back my own strength, and my agility also increased during those final weeks. I was certain they would see the difference and investigate. Part of me wanted that, but that never happened. I was released three days before my 11th birthday and sent back to the campus. With my newfound power, I began training for the next competition. My test scores skyrocketed and I became the top student for my quads division. None of that mattered to me. I wanted revenge on Xavier for taking advantage of my weakened state, but it was never to be. Xavier graduated and had joined the teen quad division and would not be in my bracket for the yearly competition. I refused to be denied. If I could not fight Xavier in the ring, then I would have to face him the old-fashioned way. I waited until Xavier was away from the main building and confronted him in front of his new classmates. He boasted about how he knocked me out with one punch and his fellow classmates laughed along with him knowing full well that I was sick when we fought. I became enraged and attacked him, knocking him to the ground. Everything went red and I could feel my body becoming hot. I lost control of myself and did not stop raining blows down upon Xavier until security pulled me off. By the time I had calmed down, security had taken me to a detention cell. My hands were still bloody, but I could not remember exactly what I had done to Xavier. Jonas arrived a few hours later. He told me I had nearly killed Xavier. 
I had no explanation for him. Not that I would have given him one. I was barred from all competition, both physical and mental, and removed from Quad 7. They forced me to see a counselor and talk about my feelings, but the only feeling that mattered to me was the feeling of the power within. Nearly a year to the day that Flag performed his procedure on me, I collapsed one morning during breakfast. When I awoke when I was back at Alpha Medical, my condition had returned. I spent four weeks receiving treatment, at the end of which I was told once again that I was cured, but this time it was different. I no longer felt powerful. The energy I felt inside was gone. I cried wanting nothing more than to feel it again. When I returned to the campus, I had nothing. I spent my re remaining years focused on finding a purpose for my life and cursed the day that I allowed Dr. Flagg to experiment on me. When I later learned of the Alliance's Life Energy Program, I wanted nothing to do with it. I no longer believed in Life Energy or the Awaken Project. It was all just a lie. My thoughts returned to the void. I began to wonder if death would come or if I would be trapped within the darkness forever. From the nothingness, I could slowly feel my body again. It ached. Every muscle in my body felt as if it was burning. I could hear a sound in the distance. It sounded like swirling wind. My skin felt chilled and I could feel a breeze blowing across my body. I could breathe again, slow and heavy, as if awakening from a deep sleep. The sound was getting closer. I tried to open my eyes but they were so heavy. There was earth beneath me. I could feel it. A light was shining down upon me. Through closed eyelids I could tell it was bright, focused on me. There was a taste in my mouth of dirt and blood. I began coughing and slid my hand across the ground. It was rough and broken. The sound was right upon me. Through blurred vision I could see something hovering over me. My mind identified the sound, but I did not want to believe it. I lifted my arm from the ground and placed my hand on my chest. I could feel them. My grenades. They were still there. I forced myself to sit up and could see my weapon on the ground a few feet from me. I was in a daze, but as impossible as, as it seemed, there was no denying it. The sound was coming from a military helicopter. It hovered above me, aiming its searchlight down upon me. Two soldiers had their rifles trained on me. I slowly rose to my feet to look around. My mind could not believe what my eyes were seeing. Not only was I alive, but I was back home. Next week, Chapter 11